Hi, and welcome to Same Time Next Week, a podcast where we demystify the therapy experience by talking with people who share their own personal therapy journeys. In each episode, we begin to uncover what therapy actually is, how it works, what helps, what doesn't, and everything in between. I'm Michael Shahan, a marriage and family therapist in Kansas City. Let's get started. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Steph. This episode was recorded about a year after my first conversation with her. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Tell me the difference, how long you were in therapy when we recorded our first episode, and now how long you've been in therapy now. So when we recorded the first episode, I think I had been in therapy about a month, maybe Mm, six weeks. Yeah. I will say that before that, I had done a lot of like spiritual direction and Mm. you know couples therapy and all that kind of stuff so it wasn't like my very first experience with therapy okay but this time around it had been like a month and a half month and so what about now how long because you know you've done it a lot more since we've talked last so i was in therapy from last july to last month so june so like 11 months oh wow okay yeah and so you and i talked the other day about how different things seem <laughs> when you yeah. for you and yeah talk you want to just tell me about some of the thoughts that we that you have about that I mean I don't know if I need to answer sure. ask questions <laughs> just talk about it yeah sure so I think that I um when I listened to the episode which by the way I hated <laughs> because when I'm on podcasts I never listen to the episodes mm. you know so I was just like, oh, okay, I'll listen to this, whatever. And so some of it, I was like, okay, this sounds good. And I was like, you know, this sounds really good. But like, I feel like I'm acting and I don't think that I was mm. consciously acting at wow. the time. So I very much heard myself. I think I was really optimistic about how therapy was going to go and um, how linear it would be. Mm. And those sorts of things, you know, that little honeymoon period that we all have. And I think, I mean, there are just so many different things, but I think after that I was able to like, listen back to it. And I, I texted you. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, it sounds like I'm going for an Emmy. Here. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, I don't think I, I thought I was acting. I don't think I thought I was yeah. being inauthentic. And I think that's something that people need to know about threes mm. is that, I don't think threes consciously are like, I'm going to act different than who I, most threes don't consciously think that. I think Mm. they don't realize that they're doing it or, and they really believe that they are that person or they just are highlighting the good stuff and low lighting the bad stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, Kind of naturally. You think mm -hmm. even doing that without even realizing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. What I, so what I want to talk about today for sure, like in in getting into depth in this is like your growth in therapy and your growth in therapy is uniquely... Uh, can be uniquely looked at through this lens of like you're in your game three. And so these are the kind mm-hmm. of things that you tend to work on. And so what's, cause I remember you telling me that I want to like, ex- like, cause so much of this podcast is about self growth and how we grow through therapy and the things we learn about ourselves. And like, it's, I'm hearing you say that looking back at that, you didn't even like so one of the things that you've learned maybe is how much you tend to do that without realizing or, or just having distance from that episode, let you realize how you can tend to perform in that way? So, I mean, this is one of the things about therapy for me. So it was not, this is not like a typical thing. Maybe it is a typical thing of Enneagram threes. But for me, one of the big things that I went to therapy for was like, I literally had like zero self-esteem basically. Whoa. 
I think through that process, I was able to see, well, and I would often say like, I have zero self-esteem. Like I have no self-confidence. I don't believe I can do anything, which people who know me probably wouldn't think that unless they know me well enough, because I think that part of the Mm. acting or part of that self-deceit, you know, aspect of the three is, is to show like, Hey, I'm making Mm. this look easy. You know, I'm making this look polished. I'm making it look linear. I'm making it look whatever. So I think for me, a lot of where that lack of self-esteem or lack of even like lack of sense of self came in was through this need to perform, right? Uh, or this need to, mm. or, or fear of judgment if I was authentic. Whoa. Yeah. So a fear of being authentic. Yeah. But it's so subconscious, right? Like it's yeah, so sure. sneaky. Like it's, it's just not something that is at the forefront of your mind, right? So yes. Yes. Now I feel like through a lot of the the stuff that I've done, I feel like through therapy and coaching and just reading and my own personal work and all this stuff, I think I've one refocused my interest in the Enneagram to like actually using it for personal transformation. So that's been mm. really helpful. Um, but then also just being like, it's okay <laughs> if people don't mm. like me or it's okay if you know, people judge me or people see the real me or, or whatever. Wow. So I think that's one of the things that therapy really helped me with because it's a greater sense of self-compassion and a greater sense of self. Mm. Those things are connected, I think, to like when you have that sense of self-compassion or self-acceptance or um, sense of self or self-esteem, all these things, right? Then you are a little bit more free to let people just think what they think, you know? Because you don't need them to think something about you because you have sort of your own Mm self-compassion. Like you like yourself enough that you don't necessarily need that from other people. So it just kind of naturally lessens. Is that what you're saying you've noticed? Mm -hmm. Wow. And I love that you mentioned that like that's it's sneaky and it kind of works below the surface. And like that's Mm -hmm. one of the things in therapy that happens is like helping people find those narratives under the surface that run the show in our lives, but we don't have, but we have no idea that they are running the show. Yeah. Which is the craziest thing. And like, we can't see that at first and that's, yeah. but you're starting to see, you're seeing that in a huge way now. And then now that you've mm-hmm. seen that, you look back at that episode and you're like, Whoa, I was operating so much out of that place, but I didn't even realize it kind of. Yeah. And I think that's, why it was a little bit shocking to listen to Mm. um because (laughs) i was like oh wow like that's a totally different perspective and a different aspect of myself and um not to say like i have it all different or fixed or whatever now or polished (laughs) or anything i'm just saying like like i don't know what i don't know so i might you know listen back to this in eight months and be like oh wow you're an idiot (laughs) (laughs) man man i hope not but i I get what you're saying yes that makes sense yeah and i think just to i want to say listening back to that i don't think i had a sense of wow you're an idiot i had a sense Mm. of like oh wow like there were i was laughing at myself you know i was Mm. laughing at like (laughs) oh wow you're like really performing here but also I know that I didn't think that at the time. I know that I didn't. And so maybe I wasn't performing didn't think at the what? time. I know I didn't think I was performing at the time. Mm, okay. Like I know that I wasn't going on a podcast and trying to be like, look at how awesome I am, mm. you know, in this context. But I think, and so I have a lot of compassion for 
that person and that aspect of myself that needs that. That's cool. (laughs) I like that a lot. So in your own like therapy journey over the last year ish, what do you think has let you see yourself in a different way? Does that make sense? Like what has happened Mm -hmm. in therapy to, to let you see yourself differently and to see these patterns more directly? I mean, my therapist was very direct, Mm. you know? Um, and I appreciated that because a lot of the time she'd just be like, what are you? No, that's not accurate. Or she would challenge my assumptions about what something meant and and helped me to see what I was making it mean about me, even if it didn't necessarily oh. mean that thing about me. And just like, gosh, I don't know. I feel like it's so hard to put words to. Mm. Sure. I think it, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. That's <laughs> what I figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and- I don't know if you can speak to some of those things maybe, or it just, it also, I think this also highlights your difficulty answering this, just how gradual of a process therapy can be. Like, it's not just mm-hmm. one thing changes everything. Yeah. It's like this culmination of months and months of, of doing these things and looking at myself and having these talks and experiencing these things. Like there's not one moment to look back and say, this is where the change happened. Yeah. So it can be confusing, I think. Yeah. And also I haven't slept more than six hours a night in the last week. So that's <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. I almost like I was like, oh, I should I should reschedule with Michael because I haven't mm. been sleeping and like I this puppy is driving me crazy and stuff. And I, then I was just like mm. it's just it's fine. It's gonna be fine. Even if you don't sound like the most articulate version of yourself, it's gonna be and, fine. <laughs> and even that I think just highlights your own growth work. Mm. Like does that make sense? Like like even you're saying, Oh, I'll do this even if it's not perfect. To me, is this like this actual representation? Like you making decisions and work going through life with more compassion for yourself and not needing to be this perfect version of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, even like, so I just alluded to puppy. I were like fostering this puppy. And typically when I make decisions, I am like very, like I have to think through it and how, what's the plan, you know, mm. for how it's going to impact everything. And I have a harder time just actually saying, okay, I'm just going to do this sometimes. Mm. Mm. And then sometimes it's like impulsive, you know, but I don't know. So with this, even I was just like, I've had to be like, okay, it's okay that this is harder than we thought. Wow. (laughs) You know, like. You're talking to yourself there? Yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying? Mm. And and it doesn't mean that I made a bad decision. Whoa. Like. Things are just harder than we think they're going to be sometimes, and you can't foresee that. Wow. There's so much self-compassion that I can hear in that, in the way you're talking to yourself. Mm. That's really cool to see. I should also say, so like, aside from therapy, Mm. things that have been really helpful for me, I have been meeting with somebody who's a health coach. She's like a health and wellness coach, but she's really, really skilled at helping people gain clarity on like purpose and what they really mm. want in life and things like this. And so she used this strengths profile thing. And for so long, I would just have a really hard time, like actually feeling any of my strengths or experiencing them or seeing them. Huh. It's almost like I felt like I didn't want to get too big of a head about stuff <laughs> type of thing. Interesting. Like didn't want to own your own strengths. Yeah. Like mm. because that would be bad or that would mean I was wow. like too conceited or self-centered or these things. And so or, or it could mean that I inf- have inflated my sense of self without knowing it. And then somebody's going to come around the corner and be like, actually, you suck at that and like pop it. You know what I mean? 
Wow. Okay. Sure. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's all these fears of what can, it, it could mean mm-hmm. to. So wow, okay. through therapy and all these different things, I have really learned how to own those, mm. like my strengths and everything. Um, and I actually keep them on my desk right here. So I Whoa. cut out all of my. It, you have strengths in this, and then you have uh, you have realized strengths, and then potential strengths. I think is the <laughs> word, um, but. You know, I have like all of them cut out right and there. then yeah. into like little cards. And then when I need like encouragement, I'll go and I'll just like randomly pick one like it's a tarot card or something. And be like, this is <laughs> the one I'm going to use today. <laughs> wow. What a, what a like a direct opposite shift from not wanting to own them to like go to intentionally owning them like so far to like you have a physical copy of them on your desk and you read mm-hmm. them. <laughs> yeah. And so then... In addition to that, I read the book Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff, mm. which is really, really helpful for me. And then the other big thing is the book Emotional Agility by Susan David. Mm. Okay. Um, so those two books, I think, were really groundbreaking. Um, wow. What about those books shifted things for you? Yeah. I feel like the big thing that we are socialized to think is if you have self-compassion, you'll like automatically just go soft essentially wow. like huh. and you won't motivate yourself and and I used to really believe this too um and probably part of me still does about uh like if I'm not driven by performing for others I won't ever do anything interesting or important whoa so if you lose this like thing that has motivated you your whole life then mm-hmm. you're worried that you won't do it get lazy whoa yeah. okay if you don't have this yeah okay And I think I have a lot of the same narratives around like working hard, like, and so Mm. being like, you have to, you have to get up and you have to do it right now. You're so stupid. You can't just not do that. Like these, these Mm. tapes that we, and these things that we say to ourselves and like really self-critical, you know? Yeah. Wow. And so what these books, I mean, I would say self-compassion, that one exhibits and then emotional agility offers data around is this idea that having self-compassion actually makes you more able to do the things that you want to do and more productive, not less. And for me too, I was like, well, now Stephanie, we can't just like start doing the self-compassion thing because it's going to make us more productive. That's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, to to be self-compassionate so that you can continue to be more productive. (laughs) Yeah. Just having that be an end in and of itself. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So I think that's been helpful. And it doesn't, I mean, just the other day I was like super mad at myself about something. And I was like, this isn't a very useful way to think about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I hear you saying, like, that, that's kind of funny and ironic, that thing. But I also think like that it's not going to hurt. Like if using your the needs and wants you already have to drive you towards self-compassion. I don't think that's like mm-hmm. cheating. <laughs> I think if it gets us there, it gets us there. I think in, in, in a sense. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, are you saying that about the productivity thing? Yeah. Like maybe that's the boost you needed to find this self compassion thing and then once you like does that make sense like you that's the what sort of led you there initially was your the drives and narratives you already had Mm -hmm. yeah and then I think though for me what ends up happening with with things like that is like it's not true self-compassion then right Mm, because it's not like it's like if I just talk to myself this way then I'll be able to do this better still driven by the same things is what you're saying so it doesn't feel like real self-compassion yeah so Mm. It's just 
taken a lot, I think, to let it actually sink in. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like that's been a huge growth tool for me. And to also say, like, what if people don't think I'm great? What if I think this is a strength mm. of mine and other people don't think mm. that? Like, is that okay? <laughs> you know? Mm. Wow. What a hard what an interesting question. Not convincing myself that everybody thinks I'm great, but letting myself be okay if they don't think I'm great. Mm-hmm. Sort of mm-hmm. wanting to get there. Yeah. And also being okay with me thinking I'm pretty good and other people thinking I'm not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think before it was like, if other people, even one possible person might think that I suck, then, <sighs> then I suck. Right? Wow. Yeah. That's like, you just absorb that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even in the way you see yourself. Yeah. Whoa. Which again, that is very much the type three yes, personality pattern totally. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's very sneaky. Yeah. It sounds like that's, you said that a couple of times, like this, the sneaky. And I think that's one of the biggest things, like things in therapy, like we see these things that are so sneaky and they have so much power over us, but we have no idea, which seems so weird that these mm-hmm. things are just running the show in these huge ways, but but without us seeing them. Yeah. Was this a difficult process at times? I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't just rainbows and butterflies and yay, now I'm having self-compassion for myself. Like, were there times that were hard or uncomfortable or confusing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, I think things just take a long, like I've, I've just learned that things take longer for me to sink in than I want them to. <laughs> okay. And so one of the things that has actually been very helpful for me Um, is to reduce the amount of input I'm getting and to let things actually marinate. So for example, in typically in a week, I might read two books, listen to, you know, eight to 10 podcasts, um, watch an online course and also read the news every single day. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And that is like so much input, but it actually... When I was teaching my subtypes workshops last month, I was talking about, I was giving an example for something and then I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the exact same thing as in this example when I just always (laughs) grab my AirPods and put them in my ears and go turn on Mm. a podcast. Because Mm. when I'm listening to a podcast, especially the type of podcast I like, which are very information-based or like the books I like, which are like nonfiction, Mm. that... I don't have to be with my thoughts. I'm with somebody else's thoughts. <laughs> wow. Okay. And that almost feels easier yeah. or something. And so I think that to go back to your question, reducing that input has been very difficult. Like being like, I'm not wow. going to intentionally listen to music mm. or to podcasts every time. Maybe I'll choose music instead because music doesn't have the same impact for me. You know, Mm, okay, Um, okay. It doesn't get you out of your head like podcasts mm -hmm. do. But that I think allowed me to be with my thoughts a little bit more and to like kind of be more curious and to observe. But it was uncomfortable, the process. Yeah. I mean, like, who wants to not listen to a podcast when they want to listen to a podcast? (laughs) You know? Yeah. 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 Especially if that's kind of what you've always done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like it's, I feel like that's the kind of self-care that's not fun. Yeah. Like it's, it was good for you, but it's not just like self-care isn't just, I don't know. I always think there's two kinds of self-care, like at least like fun that feels really good and it's fun is relaxing. And one that's like, I need to do this for myself, but it's going to suck for a while. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's not as fun and glamorous and exciting as other things. Yeah. I was just wondering what drove you to like 
decide I want to listen to podcasts and fill my head up with other people's thoughts less. I think it was my therapist kind of just like she wouldn't even give me homework really Mm. because she didn't want to add another thing. Wow. So her even like pointing that out or sort of. Yeah. And and just being like, like drawing my attention to it because I don't think I would have ever realized that. Wow. Okay. Okay. And also like we have all these, I, I don't know about other people. I, and probably my family, my family of origin, right? We have these judgments around what is productive and what isn't. Mm. And so listening to something that's informative feels more productive than for me, than, Mm -hmm. or even like listening to an audiobook feels more productive to me than like listening to music or watching a silly show or, and it's almost like like, there's hierarchies. And so it's like, I'm not being lazy. I'm doing this, you know? Mm. So almost like this, this silly shows or fiction books or something don't feel as productive and useful to sort of what those narratives that you have about who you need to be and how you need to move through life, like kind of goes against those narratives. Like Mm -hmm. this is useless. This isn't helping me achieve what I want to achieve or be better or. Yeah. And also like listening to those quote unquote productive things, it's like good and valid. Right. So Mm. I I don't think I, and especially when my therapist first started pointing it out, I was like, it's fine. Like I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a reactivity that you had when she started pointing those out? I think it was like just a sense of like, you cannot pry this away from me. Whoa. Like, okay. Like, don't, you can't take this from me. Mm-hmm. Don't do this mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Was it, how, was that a long process of her from like when she started pointing it out and showing it to you? Is that what you said? What's the phrase you said? Calling it to your, calling attention to it mm-hmm. from that point to when you s- started acting on it and stopped. Was that a long time? Did it take you a while to like get your head around and say, okay, I do want to do this. Like, or is it? Qu- I'm curious about that. I'm actually not sure because I don't recall the one she first pointed it out. Uh, okay, okay. That's but fine. I do think that there's a strong sense that it like needed to feel like my idea. Okay. <laughs> you know, like you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Like you can't fire me. I quit. Kind of thing. <laughs> it's yeah. actually my idea. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, it, wow. Yeah, and so she sort of called attention to it, and then you started, I don't know, your mind just started kind of thinking about spending time looking at it, wondering, seeing that it wasn't, I don't know, because you're not saying that's bad to do, and I can't do that anymore. Right. You're not, like, just, just going the other end of the, of the spectrum. No. You're saying, like, that's okay, but if it turns into me just avoiding my thoughts all the time, and then maybe that's not helpful. Yeah, exactly. And also, I want to say, when you were like, oh, so you started wondering about it, getting curious, no. Okay. I rejected no, okay. it. <laughs> I was like, no, that's okay. fine. Like, I'm fine, you know? Um, so it took me a while Glad to come around. It. And I don't yeah. think that I ever even told her that I stopped listening to so much all the time. <laughs> really? Or reading so much all the time, yeah. Mm. So there's a rejection of it at first, for mm-hmm. sure. I think that tends to happen, especially when somebody's like, no matter how like gently and lovingly they can call attention to these things that have worked for us for so long and that we're like so stuck in, there's going to be like a defensiveness and we're wanting to reject it. I think mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part about being a therapist is the <laughs> defensiveness that comes up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I had my an, uh, old supervisor of mine say that like, 
a client walks in your office or clients walking and they trip over something, there's something under the rug and they trip over it and they trip over it and they trip over it. Your job as a therapist is like pull up the rug and be like, hey, like you're tripping over that. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're going to be like, no, I'm not. A lot of times at first. <laughs> and to like still, yeah, like that's an important part of it, I think, and an uncomfortable part mm-hmm. um, for everybody. Maybe less non-Enneagram 9 therapists, but for me, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> mm. I had to remind myself that this is, means we're actually probably getting somewhere good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think just another... So I, I was in an Enneagram certification course. I mean, it's part of very long certification, but a few months ago, and we talked a lot about what it's like to work with each Enneagram type. And we were asked as each type, you know, what, what's important. And, and then they were, Hmm. they also gave guidance. And for me, one thing that I just, that helped me, that process helped me to realize is when I show even like a little emotion in therapy, or like I offer up like even like a small thing, there's normally a lot more under the surface. Mm. Yeah. I I mean, it's just like helpful for me to have somebody who knows the Enneagram because then they're going to know that they're going to know like, Oh, she's showing a little bit of something around this. Maybe there's something a lot lot more. more underneath. Yeah. And that's one area where I actually do wish that my therapist knew the Enneagram because I do think like, unless I was actually like sobbing, which only happened, like I only cried like twice Mm. in therapy. Mm. Um, But unless I was actually like sobbing, it wasn't like she was, I don't think she always realized also it was virtual. So Mm. I think it would have been a lot different in person because you can see a lot more body language. Oh, sure. Maybe she could pick Um, up more emotion that was under the surface. mm -hmm. And like, Mm. honestly, all the therapy video platforms are like kind of fuzzy. Fuzzy is that what you said? Yeah, in my experience. There's like always like a little fuzziness to it. It's like Mm. you can't, it's not that clear, the video. Anyway, so I'm I'm not trying to like shit on her as a therapist. Oh, sorry. Explicit. (laughs) You can say that. Are you kidding me? You should listen Uh, to some of these other episodes. Oh, okay. Because I was like, before I was coming on here, I was like, I was going to be like, oh my God, I'm so fucking tired. Then I was going to say, you better not bleep me, Michael. (laughs) I would never. Anyway. No, so I'm not trying to say she's a shitty therapist. What I'm saying is that I can't really expect her to know that about me. Mm-hmm. But I think that I needed somebody to know that about me. Um, and it was really hard yeah. for me to share. And so by the end of our time together, I mean, part of the reason that we stopped meeting is because she, it was covered by insurance, which means that it, you have to be actually treating something. And she did all the assessments and I no longer had any of the diagnoses that I came in with. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I think she would have been willing to continue meeting if I really wanted to, but it didn't, I don't think felt like there's a lot of reason to do that. But also Mm. I think I was realizing for myself, I was like, like, I, I think I might need somebody who's like a lot softer now. Whoa. Okay. I think when I first went in, I wanted somebody who was really assertive and really like would call attention Mm. to stuff. Um, but I think as I've just changed, like, I think that I've grown into a place where I do kind of want somebody who is a little bit softer, you know? Wow. And so you sort of learned that 
I mean, after having this experience, you, you're really like, if I do this again, this is what I want different with my therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I'm saying is not that it's like, oh, that wasn't the right fit. I want something different. What I'm saying is that I think it's like, this is so freaking stupid, but I just like, <laughs> I can't think of another analogy because my brain isn't working today, but have you ever had a hermit crab? <laughs> I have not personally, no, but I'm really excited about this now. Don't recommend, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I actually had a rainbow hermit crab named Larry. Larry. That's a fantastic mm-hmm. name for a hermit yes. crab, to be honest. My sisters were like, <laughs> like, is he gay? And I was like, yes, he's, he's a rainbow. <laughs> and I was just so excited about it, which is actually fascinating considering that I grew up in an evangelical household. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I was like, love is love at 11 years old. Anyhow. So it's kind of like that thought process of like, you know, this shell for now. And then when I'm done with the shell, I'm oh. going to detach from it and go to a different shell. Like mm. when I, and then when I outgrow that shell, I'm going to detach from it and go to a different shell. I guess another analogy is like shoes. Like you grow out of a pair of shoes as you're growing up. That's oh. like a more human analogy, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so I think that is more what it is. It's not like that. Mm. The therapist that I had, like, she, I think she was a great fit for totally. what I needed at sure. the time. And I think now I'm like, okay, I'm in a, a totally different spot now and I want something different. Mm. So yeah, I would say that's the difference. Yeah. You're not, you're not at all saying, and I didn't hear you saying that even like, you're not saying mm-hmm. this, I wish she would have been different. You said right. like, that's who I needed then. And I'll mm-hmm. need somebody else different now. And mm-hmm. you were able to like discover what it is that you needed even yeah. going after, which is fantastic, which I'm always encouraging everybody, like find a therapist that clicks with you that you need, like maybe you need this kind of therapist. And like you said, you thought you needed a therapist who was really challenging and direct at first and mm-hmm. sort of realize mm-hmm. you don't need that, but maybe that's, that's what you needed then. And that's what you thought you needed then. That's where you're at. Like that's the the place where you were at. And that's ha- that's how you knew yourself, which is mm-hmm. that's as, as honest as you could be with yourself. And that yeah. has to be enough. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely think so. Um, there was something else that I said in the first episode that I was like, huh, that's interesting. Oh, you talked about ants. Ants? Automatic negative thoughts. Oh, okay. Which I did talk about in therapy a lot. Mm. And actually that was also really helpful. I hated it. Like, And she gave me these exercises to do to like identify them and stuff. Mm. But realizing that my biggest one is like negativity and pessimism was super, super helpful. Wow. Because it's... Remember how earlier I was talking about the strengths and being like, oh, I can't let anyone think that I'm, you know, full of myself yeah. and so I'm going to deflate myself in a sense. Yeah. I think that that kind of has like a similar operating mechanism, like where it's like thinking negatively first mm. is so much less vulnerable. Whoa. Okay. Sure. To like start um, with a negative negative or like a no, like mm-hmm. it, it's less, it's, it's less vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Being cynical. Mm. Being cynical, you never really look naive. You never get duped. Whoa. Because it's like, yeah, if, if you end up getting duped, it's like, well, I was right anyway. Like, yeah, right okay. Anyway. Almost like a protecting yourself from mm-hmm. those things. That makes sense. Then. Yeah. It right. would be more, vul- more vulnerable to not lead with negativity. Because you're like, yeah. there's a possibility of being hurt or being duped or whatever. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And also I thought it was really funny (laughs) because so you did the intro like this month, right? Mm -hmm. For that episode. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like another way that I've seen that I've really grown is like in business and just like running my own business. Mm. Because in that episode, I was like, my business is my Instagram page. And I was like, Stephanie, your business is not your Instagram page. Your Instagram page is a marketing asset for your business, oh, wow. which is so you, different from that. So you've grown even how you see your own business as, as well as how yeah. you see and yourself? Yeah, and like work and all that stuff. Which yeah. makes sense. I mean, you, I think you told me yeah. a lot, like your business is always really, really personal. It's going to hit all these persons. So it makes sense that if, as you've grown as a person and seen yourself differently, then you might also see your business differently and kind of what it entails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I just didn't really know how to, I mean, I don't know. I think I just didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was also in grad school, so I was just, like, stressed about that, mm. too. But <laughs> Wow, that's cool. I've, I've, Unless you wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to do this to highlight kind of, I don't know, I thought it'd be a really cool way to show where you were a few weeks in a therapy versus, like, close to a year in therapy and how. Because things, I mean, since, like you mentioned earlier, you thought it was going to be this linear process. But, I mean, I don't know, that still kind of fits. But. Just like you're kind of in a place that you weren't expecting yourself to be. And things shifted so much that when you listened to yourself, you were just like super weirded out on how differently, mm-hmm. how different you sounded. Like your experience of yourself was different. And it's interesting because I feel like, I feel like some people might listen to that episode and be like, wow, faker. And some people <laughs> might listen to it and be like, wow, she sounds so put together and polished, you know? <laughs> interesting. Okay. Like, I think you could have either reaction. Yeah. Um, And then listen to this episode and be like, Wow, she's like totally like stream of consciousness. Just I think it rambling, feels you know? so different, and and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think your how I'm like receiving you, how you're presenting yourself is very very different than it was. It seems much more natural and uh, unhurried and authentic. Hmm. Kind of is how I've noticed a difference today compared to last time. Hmm. It could be the sleep deprivation, but you know, keep blaming whatever. these things on sleep deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> Good and bad things, which is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't know. So I feel like that's part of the reason, too, why I wanted to do another episode. Mm. Because I think sometimes I was thinking about it as as I was listening to it. And I thought, what's my reaction to this? What do I want to do with this? You know, Mm. Um, and we talked about this a bit, but I was like, okay, I could manage my image and just have him not post that one at all. Mm. And do a totally new one in which I would probably be doing the exact same thing. Mm. Oh, wow. (laughs) The exact same performance thing, you know, unknowingly. Mm. Or I could have him do a quick update at the end. Or we could do a totally separate episode. Mm. And I wanted to like lean toward doing a second episode only because I feel like sometimes you don't see a lot of like the messiness process for threes. Mm. Sure. And I feel that, like, I feel not wanting to show it. Wow. I feel not wanting to be, like, a little bit unsure mm. or a little bit, you know, so it's even not, though I often feel unsure. <laughs> so it's not gone from you. It's not like you don't have those worries anymore. It's like you can feel it a little right. bit. It's present, but it doesn't really run the show. Like, you can still keep moving in in, in a different direction, even though you feel that drive to, like, perform and... Yeah image manage and stuff and sometimes it does run the show though well totally like, yes like yes, so, yes, yeah yes. but i think also i have a lot more skills and tools to be able to like observe it and then be like okay well, what do i want to actually do with this whoa okay so it's not just automatically happening you can like observe it and decide whether you want to it's not just mm-hmm. i observe it and i don't do it now it's i observe it and now i i can decide whether i want to sort of move forward mm-hmm. with that or not like you which feels like yeah. i'm having a lot more control over yourself yeah. 
yeah, like recently I had a, a business opportunity that would be really great presented to me. And I, but everything inside me was like, mm. no. Wow. Like just gut reaction. No. Mm. And I said, no. Wow. Even though if I did that thing, it would make me look really good. Whoa. That's impressive. But I was like, I no, I just, no, I don't want to. I was like, if, if at this moment when I'm scheduling this, I don't want to do it. I know when the time comes that I have to actually go do it. I will not want to do it. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, yeah. I'm, I'm really good at being like, okay, well, let's look at the numbers and let's look yes. at how this will make you look and let's look at, mm. you know, all these different things. And I'm not always as good at listening to that other side of me. Yeah, yeah. And I think it has important things to tell me. Totally. Yes. And it's to your own detriment if you sort of continue to ignore it. Like it's got some wisdom mm -hmm. to it, but you've never mm -hmm. had as much practice trusting that part of you. Yeah. Mm. I see it a lot with threes. Like it's this, their gut, it's hard to trust. Like they will more move to their head. Like, well, this makes sense. I don't care what my gut thinks. Like this makes sense. So I should do this. Don't you think that the three, six and nine all do that? Yeah. To an extent. Yes. Yes. I think so. <laughs> There's yeah. That anchor triad thing. Mm -hmm. um, like it's sort of anchor point. Yeah. Like wanting to use the other centers to get the needs of your own number met. But not your center. <laughs> mm hmm Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's thanks for sharing. Thanks for doing this again. Thank you for being vulnerable and authentic and stepping away from that image management part of yourself. And I don't know. It's been cool. I'm really appreciative of this episode. And I think it's a really, really cool way to end this first like season to show this like practical this practical shift in you. I think it's awesome. And I yeah. think it's very evident. Now I have one question. Okay. For me. Was this the best episode yet? <laughs> There's a lot of pressure. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Yes, you improved, and this was the best episode you've ever done with me. Great. <laughs> uh, I really wanted you to compare me against everyone else, but oh, everyone you else fall into that trap. <laughs> oh, everyone else. I thought you meant with yours. Got no, it. I'm joking. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Same Time Next Week. Please feel free to share with your family and friends to help support the show and help us in working toward destigmatizing therapy. So, same time next week.